And he will do that. When somebody pays for your meal, what do you say? You say, thank you. I receive that. And they say, you're welcome. You don't say, no, I will not receive that. I will pay too. But there are people in judgment who will pay for something that was already paid for because they will, will not receive the gift that was given. It's a free gift. It's a grace gift. You cannot earn it. We're all going to stand. Listen, let me dive into a little theology. We're all going to stand before the great white throne judgment. Revelation 20 and 11. Then I saw a great white throne. And him who was seated on it, and the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. This is awesome. And books were open. Everybody say books. That's plural. A lot of books. And another book. Everybody say book. That's singular. Was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Everybody say books. That's plural. So the dead are judged according to what's written in the books. What's written in the books? Every sin you've ever committed. Some of you are like, for real? The Bible says every word, you'll be held accountable for every word, every deed. It's written in the book. Some of you are like, oh, for real? Like I, have, like, I have whole, like I have whole volumes then. Some of y'all have more than volumes. You have a whole library with an, a librarian and a Dewey Decimal System. Some of you are like, 2006 was a bad year. That's a lot of books. But here's what's beautiful about the books and the book. Once your name is written in the book of life, all of the books are erased and your sins will never be remembered against you. That's something to celebrate. That's something to rejoice about. He loves you so much. He found a way to redeem you, but it's up to you to receive it got to receive it and when you receive it now this is very important for me to tell you when you receive it you won't even have to say it we'll be able to see it in your life because true salvation shows up and that's what will be judged at the second judgment the first judgment is a grace judgment the second judgment is not for unbelievers they won't get past the first judgment the second judgment is the judgment seat of christ and it is for believers And it is squarely a works judgment. And the question you'll be asked at that judgment is what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? This is after you received this first test. What did you do with my son Jesus? The answer is I knew him personally. I gave my life to him. He was a priority relationship. The second question is what did you do with what I gave you? Each of you has gifts that God has given you. Well, I don't have very many gifts. That's a cop-out excuse to never use your gifts. Sorry, I probably should have said that in a nicer way. That's an excuse. At some point, you got to realize God gave me something, and I have to use it to help other people. That's my calling. If I want to live and walk worthy of the calling that I have received, then I need to fulfill what God has called and created me to do. Just because your gift doesn't look like my gift doesn't mean that we aren't equally called to do something in the kingdom of God. You're called. Please don't leave your calling to me. It's going to take all of us. The challenge with some of us is we think that God is just somehow going to carry us through everything. He's going to do all the work. He's not. He saved you. The rest is up to you. To accomplish his will on earth. How many of you have ever heard that poem, Footprints in the Sand? Footprints in the Sand. I found a variation of it that I love. One night I had a wondrous dream. A set of footprints on the sand was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord. But mine were not along the shore. 
Then some stranger prince appeared, and I asked the Lord, what have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they're much too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk by faith, but you refused to accept your place. You chose to whine, complain, and moan. You were selfish and lived for you and you alone. Your attitude sunk. Your eyes were shut. So there I dropped you on your butt. It's not theologically accurate, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> because... Some of you are like, really? Because in life there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb, when one must rise and take a stand or leave their butt prints in the sand. I'll be here all weekend. Thank you. The truth is, some of us expect God to do everything for us, and he's not going to carry you into your calling. He has equipped you, but you have to carry yourself into your calling and do what God has called you to do. We're all going to be judged for our actions as believers. 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, Paul's talking to believers. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, some people get confused and they're like, is this grace or is it works? Is it grace or is it works? And the answer is yes. You're saved by grace through faith, but you are rewarded after this life based on your works. Well, how do I know what works I should do? Glad you asked that question. There is a test that you can take. Listen, if you don't believe that God rewards you, just study the scriptures. The Bible says God rewards those who diligently seek him. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, I'm coming to earth and I'm bringing your reward with me. He's looking for a way to reward you and he's created a filter for you'll know, so you'll know what you can do to receive the reward. I'll call it the fire filter, 1 Corinthians 3, 9. For we are co I want you to notice the wording here. For we are co-workers, which means not one of us matters more than the others. We are working together. All of us have a purpose. We are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. What does that mean? You worry about you. Don't worry about everybody else. Look at what you're building in your life. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now notice what he talks about here. He's going to talk about building materials. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, there's a capital D there, and that literally means the day of days or judgment day, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. What does this mean? Notice, judgment seat of Christ, this is not a salvation judgment. It is a works judgment. Notice that if, if what you built on earth burns up, you'll still be saved, but no reward. Understand? Well, how do I get that reward? You do things that survive the fire. What survives the fire? Look at me. Eternal things survive the fire. 
Not just building your 401k, not just taking the most awesome vacation in the world, not just buying yourself the new car, not just serving yourself the ice cream, not just spending your Saturday and making it all about me and you do you and me do me. No, at some point you have to do what God has called you to do and then you will lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt. This is... You actually like this verse of scripture, and you may not have even known it, but this is the filter our church uses to base our giving on. We're a very generous church. You guys give generously, and we are a missions organization that serves our community and serves thousands of family, but we also serve other missions organizations. This year, again, we will have given over $1 million to missions outside of our church, and I think that's amazing. But here's how we decided how we're going to give. We want to give to things that will show up in heaven. What does that mean? I have a passion to see people that are in third world countries have water. Because water is a basic need that a lot of people need that they don't have. But I don't just want to go dig wells. I think that's fine and that's good. But if I just dig wells and I quench people's thirst, but they never actually know Jesus, then who won? No one. We just felt good about the fact that we gave them water. So here's what we do. We partner with Hand of Hope and we build churches and in the front yard of the church we dig a well so that people from all around the community come to the church to get the water to quench their thirst and also meet the living water and they'll never thirst again because I want to see it end up in heaven. This is how you should live your life too. The question will be what did you do with what I gave you and the right answer is Lord I gave my life away. I gave my life away. Before Jesus, your whole life is about finding Jesus. After you found Jesus, your whole life should be lived to make a difference for Jesus. It's got to be intentional. So how do I be intentional about that? Three things as I close. Number one, I will intentionally give what I have. I'll intentionally give what I have. Are you talking about money? Yes. But I want you to notice what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. Give what you have. Please don't give what you don't have. I'm not telling you to give till it hurts. You've never at our church heard pressure giving. In fact, if you're new to our church, there's no pressure for you to give. Our service is our gift to you. And I thank God for the givers of this church. Well, how do I how do I how do I give what I have? You can you can be a percentage giver and give a percentage of your income. Say, okay, I'm gonna set aside this percentage. Tithing is 10%, but you can give over and above that. I'm gonna, I'm, this is a percentage. Jen and I have done that for as long as we've been married, and we've been blessed. You can also give in our annual legacy offering. We do that in December. There will be no sad videos. There will be nobody saying, the children give for the children. We'll never do that. We'll simply say, look, you pray and ask the Lord what he would have you to do. And you do what God puts on your heart. But I'd be remiss to, to not tell you giving is important intentionally give what I have. Second, I'll intentionally serve others. I'm going to serve other people. I want to live my life to serve other people. We have outreaches. We have local missions. We have global missions. We have people that serve right here in the church. Do you realize at ladies night tonight, all these ladies will gather here, but there will also be ladies who aren't just here to enjoy the night. They'll be serving all of the ladies who are coming. They're living their life. I'm not just trying. I'm just, I want want to get in there and I just want to sit down. No, no, no. There's going to be ladies who don't even come to service because they're going to be serving other people. I love that. I love the heart of our church. And finally, 
You want to be intentional. You have to make the decision. I will intentionally share Christ. I'm going to live my life. Please listen. Please don't expect me to do all the work. God has called you. I want you to learn how to share your personal testimony. How do I do that? You don't even have to be the the deepest theologian. You may not even ever read the Bible. You may not even be able to read. But somebody can read your life. And you can tell them, Jesus changed my life. That's your personal testimony. And then you can can invite them to church. Or you can invite them to a small group. At our church, we have a couple of seasons during the year. Two or three seasons during the year. Where we encourage you to bring somebody to church. We don't do it every weekend. We're not like, hey, bring somebody next weekend. There, There are some weekends that are better than others. To bring people to church. The second week in November. And all the rest of the month of November until the first week in December. The best time to bring your friends. It's at the movies. And it's um, it's amazing at our church. And you have to be on campus at a Hope City campus to be a part of it. Can't just watch it online. We don't show it online. We can't. We don't. It's proprietary movie clips. We don't have that. So we just show it in church. Bring your friends. We have more people saved in the month of November than any other month in our church. I'll tell you, when you share Christ with somebody, it'll show you, it'll blow your mind how much you'll care about what we do when you have a friend with you. You may never care how good I do until you have a friend with you. And you'll be like, Foster, you better preach good. (laughs) Tell the good jokes, not the dumb dad jokes. Come on, bro. Like, be good. You'll never care about the song selection of the band until you have a friend with you. And when you have a friend with you, you're like, oh, that's a good song. Yeah, that's a good song. You gotta see the kids ministry. Come here, come here, come here. You've never even cared. And you're like, come here, look at this. Look at what they do. It's amazing. <laughs> this shoe is a gym. Look at this. There's basketball goals. That's crazy. Don't you love this place? Get fired up. And there's nothing like that moment when I tell people, hey, bow your heads and close your eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. When I do that, I'm giving you permission. If you got a friend, every head bowed, just one eye open. Because there's nothing like watching your friend that you shared Christ with come to church, lift their hand, tears streaming down their face, give their life to Jesus, and you literally help somebody change their eternal destination. There's nothing like that. Please, let's not be a church that keeps it to ourselves. In fact, that's why we've experienced the revival that we have experienced. It is our job, and many of you have shared Christ and have shared what God is doing in our church. And because of that, people come in and get saved. I would ask you this question. All of our campuses, how many of you have told somebody either verbally or, or on social media about Hope City? Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. That's why we're having the revival that we're having, because all these people are sharing it. I would encourage you to share it. Here's why. Because it matters. What are you living for? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What am I living for? You ought to ask yourself that question. What am I living for? It'll change fulfillment in you when you answer it. Find your why. Everybody say why. Find your why. Why am I alive? Why do I exist? Find it. I find it every weekend. And when I find it, I log it. I write it down. Sometimes it comes to me. And a few months ago, it came to me in the form of a letter that stays in my Bible. And I need to probably take it out and laminate it because it's getting, it's going to tear in the middle if I'm not careful. It's from an 11-year-old girl. Here's what she wrote me. Pastor Jeremy, while I was growing up, I remember faint memories of my daddy. But I remember so well he would get arrested and brought home very late at night. Finally, when I was about four years old, I woke up. They were screaming and yelling. And I went down the stairs and my daddy was yelling at my mommy. 
I watched in silence, wondering what would happen next. He left, slamming the door, leaving me without a goodbye. My mom was left with a four-year-old to take care of. She met another boyfriend, and then my brother and sister came into the world. The boyfriend would yell at mommy, making her cry, which I hated. Then when my grandparents came to pick me up to go to school, I confessed to my grandpa. When my grandma asked mommy, she denied it. My mommy asked me to tell grandma that it was a dream, but I couldn't. After another month, my mom left him, and we lived at my grandparents since. My grandpa and Jesus have been the only daddies I've ever had. And about a year ago, my mommy found Jesus at Hope City. She's joined a group and now loves God. Ever since I've been at your church, my life has changed, and I was baptized with my mommy. I just want to thank you for a church that brings families together, bringing hope, joy, and love to those who were lost, just like my family, with a changed life, faith, age 11. That's my wife. That's going to live in eternity. That's worth more than money to me. That's worth more than success to me. This is a, a life that was changed because people love and people give and people serve. That's my why. What is yours? Two tests. Prepare for them. Some of you need to prepare for the judgment seat of Christ. Others of you, good news. You can prepare for the great white throne judgment by receiving his love this weekend. Would you bow your heads all across the room? I want to pray for you. God, I, I preach this in the most life-giving way I know how. Holy Spirit, you have to do what only you can do now. And that is move on hearts, move on lives, and move on minds right now. Simple question. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you know that Jesus is not at the center of your life, but you would like to place him in that priority place today, Nobody's going to acknowledge you publicly. This is simply between you and God. But the Bible says when you acknowledge him, he will acknowledge you. So if you'd like to acknowledge him and say, Jesus, I need to put you at the center of my life. Would you just lift your hand and say, that's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Hands all over the room. Thank you. Thank you. Front to the back. Can we all pray this prayer together out loud? Lift your voices. Jesus, you're the only one who can save me. So I repent of my sins. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the grave so that I can have eternal life. So in this moment right now, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my past to you. And I'm giving you my future. And I'm asking you, Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give him an ovation of worship. God's